The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Are you a healthcare professional looking to translate psychedelic research into practice? Then register for Psychedelic Harm Reduction and Integration, a professional training offered by psychologist Elizabeth Nielsen and Ingmar Gorman at the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York, May 24th through 26th. Earn 12 continuing education credits as you discover how to better support clients who have an interest in psychedelics. Learn more at eomega.org slash thrive. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Welcome to Dynamic Healing with two experts in chronic pain, David Hanscom and Les Aria. This podcast will show you how to unlock your body's ability to heal. Just breathe and learn how to rewire your brain and break free from chronic pain. Welcome to the Dynamic Healing Podcast. I'm Les Aria. And I'm David Hanscom. And we're here today to talk about one of the aspects of patient of pain reprocessing therapy. And this is about feeling. In other words, emotional pain and physical pain share the same circuits, but you have to feel in order to heal. You can't change what you're not aware of. So the purpose of today's episode is that unpleasant emotions are painful and no one wants to hurt. So your brain represses it automatically. That's the unconscious response or we suppress it, which is a conscious act. So you have to first train yourself to feel your own pain before you can reprocess it. I think that's a, that's a very powerful, um, you know, comment you said about the repress and, um, and suppress. So let's get into it. Let's pull up uh, none the other, um, a famous quote here. So uh, some of you may not have heard this. So David, let's uh, introduce this quote to our audience members. Unexpressed emotions will never die. They are buried alive and will come forth later in uglier ways. Sigmund Freud. Let me read that one more time because I really like that one. Unexpressed emotions will never die. They are buried alive and will come forth later in uglier ways. Sigmund Freud. So, David, I think it could be uh, hopefully like that. And it was a good quote, right? Um, Let's get into a review of the pain reprocessing therapy known as PRT and its components. And from the previous episodes, hopefully you've been tracking us. Uh, we went into it. So let's just do a review. We're um, addressing the fourth component today, but let's do the first three. We'll cover all five of it. So the first one is to educate people about the brain's role in pain and the reversibility of pain. The second component is to gather your own personal evidence on the brain's origins of reversing the pain. The third component is gently leaning into the pain. And today we're addressing the fourth component, addressing other emotional threats. And next week we'll talk about creating positive feelings and sensations that arise. And that creating positive feelings and sensation is much different than positive thinking because what we're talking about today is emotional pain. 
So positive thinking sort of pretends that emotional pain doesn't exist. So what happens is you allow yourself to feel your pain. Um, you get to then make a decision what to do with it. And that's your goal today is that emotion, less is, less is brought up a term called emotional flexibility. That as you quit fighting things, they start to lose their energy. If you fight it, you give it neurological attention. And, you know, this is a physiological process, reprogramming process. You're actually using tools to stimulate the stimulate your brain to change structure. And so people look at PRT. This is a lot different than just talk therapy. Again, we've outlined five components. Um, there's other formats that also are successful, but all of them have the same thing where they come at the process in multiple different ways. And it's about calming down your body's chemistry. So what happened in my world, this is my biggest focus for this year and next year, is about emotional pain, which I think is a much bigger problem than physical pain. And we now know through our neuroscience study group that mental pain and physical pain are processed in the same part of the body. I mean, in the similar regions of the brain, they share the same circuits, but the emotional pain is bigger because you cannot escape your thoughts. So in the dynamic healing model, unpleasant thoughts are input circumstances. You may have all sorts of other circumstances, but the biggest threat to your sense of well-being is your mind. You cannot outrun your mind. So unpleasant thoughts are the input. Emotions are what you feel. So you have the input that goes into your brain, the nervous system, then your body says safe or danger. When it says danger, you go into threat physiology or fight or flight. So emotions is what you are feeling. So none of us want to hurt. So we're not going to we're not going to touch a hot stove on purpose. We're not going to stare at sunlight. We're not going to listen to music that's too loud because we want to stay safe. So emotional pain shares the same circuit. So we don't want to hurt either. So your body automatically represses most emotional pain. Why wouldn't it? So I avoid a hot stove. I'm going to avoid unpleasant thoughts. So repression is that automatic response to the brain. Say, look, you don't want to hurt. Don't hurt. Then suppression is where you are aware that unpleasant thoughts are floating around and you suppress them. Mm. Unfortunately, when you suppress your unpleasant thoughts or emotional pain, it actually fires up your physiology even more. So repress and suppressed thoughts or consciousness actually shrinks the um, hippocampus or memory center of your brain. That's been shown that thought suppression actually suppresses the, actually shrinks the hippocampus of your brain, which is the memory center. And the amygdala or the fear center actually increases in size. It's not subtle. So repressed thoughts and emotions are a huge problem. And so we're going to talk today about allowing yourself to feel your pain. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, David, you hit on several things there. Again, it's just, you know, uh, I think what we want to let our audience members know that very often when you get activated, triggered, maybe you're, you're bending down or you're sitting there and all of a sudden you have a difficult thought, emotion or physical sensation. And when something shows up, you're really not responsible for that. And the reason I say that to the audience and to myself and to David is that this is what the brain system does. This is what our nervous system does. It's constantly sensing and asking one simple question, am I safe or not? And very often when we have a thought that shows up out of the blue that you were not you know, intentionally thinking about, it shows up out of the blue, that's because your brain was just kind of doing one of those unconscious things that was processing. And sometimes 
um, a lot of my patients say, I really don't have those thoughts or I'm not aware. That's because it may show up in your body. Uh, and David, um, I think we all have experienced this to some degree where we all of a sudden feel this tension or this uh, tightness in the chest or your jaw clenching, or you notice that you're breathing fast. At that point, there's something unconscious, which means that your brain is pulling up memories and say, or it just senses something. And there's a term that we use in this uh, work that David and I do is called your know, brain senses and tenses. If it senses something, it's going to tense something in your body. And that could be instead of hearing a thought or, you know, um, feeling something in your body, you may feel physical pain. So just keep that in mind because this is how the unconscious works. And so I just want to make sure we delineate, delineate between when I say unconscious, I'm talking about your, your brainstem sensing danger and communicating to your emotional brain, the limbic system. I'm talking in that sense, uh, not so much about Freud. Now, Freud didn't have a whole lot of this brain information that we have now. So that is why you're really not responsible for what shows up. You're responsible to how you show up to what showed up. Well, I'm not a Freud expert, but I did read a book, um, some stuff about him, and he was a neurologist. He was not a psychiatrist. And he started talking about these concepts at the beginning of his career, and his medical peers locked him out of the room. He says, I'm not going to do that again. And so what he did, he went on the route that he went on, and it obviously made some huge contributions. He's obviously not perfectly correct either. But um, he noted this whole process about how your body responds to threats physiologically. And he actually didn't start writing about this until about the last five years of his life. He really went back into this. But now we have the neuroscience that says, look, if you sense any threat, societal, personal, um, emotional, that your body fires up. And when it's sustained, your immune system attacks your own body, your metabolism or fuel consumption cannibalizes your own tissues and your brain actually physically shrinks in chronic pain. Fortunately, when you treat it, it re-expands. So again, the brain is incredibly physiological organ. It's the cells don't even touch each other. They change by the millisecond. It's an incredibly complex responsive organ. It's not a circuit board. So the key issue, I'm going to, we're talking about this today. We're not going to spend a lot of time on the every one of these because we're talking about mostly emotional awareness but the bottom line is awareness is the key so if you're suppressing again a conscious act or repressing repressing unconsciously you've lost, you have no awareness you have to be aware of what's there before you can actually make a change so i'm just going to list the four awarenesses really quickly that i have put together um this isn't gospel but i organize awareness into four sections one of them is environmental just you know being aware of your environment Physical sensations, we talk, we call it active meditation for three to five seconds. Your mind goes from racing thoughts to just taste, smell, feel. Just sit back in your chair for a second and feel. And so mindfulness is a form of environmental awareness, but also understanding what you're feeling um, is part of environmental awareness. The second awareness, which we're focused on today, is emotional awareness. And again, when you say you hurt my feelings, that's actually true. Somebody hurt your feelings, we'd say, well, sticks and stones can break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That's not true. Words have as much of an impact on you as anything. Yeah. The other one we'll talk about later called judgment storytelling. So we have these stories about ourselves, about how we relate to the world, who we are, our identity, et cetera. 
but most of them are based on what is called cognitive distortions. With being self-critical being one of the one of the biggest cognitive distortions that really tortures us. And so being aware that this is actually a cognitive distortion of should thinking or labeling or catastrophizing, let's just let go and move on. Because you don't have to do anything because they're made up in the first place. Then the last one, which is challenging, and this does take a therapist, uh, are ingrained patterns that everyone is every one of us are programmed my entire life up to this very second. So we have this ingrained way of looking at life that we think is the only way of looking at life, because again, we're alive, we're functioning, but they're ingrained and you can't see what other people are seeing. So again, the four awarenesses are environmental, emotional, judgment, storytelling, and ingrained patterns. And today we're gonna focus mostly on the emotional awareness. But if you're not aware, there's nothing you can do. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, that, that's, that's like you said, it's the agent of change here is awareness. And with that said, I wanted to really kind of take what David said with those four um, components there. Now, what we're trying to say today in the podcast is one of the biggest barriers to healing is when people don't want to uh, sort of lean into what is there. And that tends to reinforce the brain system or the threat system. So anytime you fear something, you reinforce it. So what we practice, we become better at. And we've seen this in science and with our daily behaviors, right? If you're fearful of touching something or doing something or trying a new recipe for that basic um, life issues or fear of having a difficult conversation with someone, it just makes everything inside of you worse, right? I mean, I'm sure everyone in the audience has experienced something like this. But what we're talking even more so today about is the emotional pain is this, that one of the biggest barriers, and David and I have been doing this for a while, that we know, and, and also pain reprocessing therapy emphasizes this, that sometimes the biggest barrier to healing is unprocessed emotions. This doesn't just have to be about trauma. This doesn't have to be about something where it's been you know, a big event that occurred in your life or a small trauma. This can be even relationship issues day to day when you finally, when you realize that you're actually not safe with the person that you are in a relationship with, meaning that as the, as the years have gone by, you feel more lonely with them. They tend to be dismissive or they might say something like, what's the matter with you? You know, so you tend to feel put down by them. So when we talk about unprocessed emotions, when we go about our life, these issues, the trauma, the large ones, the small traumas, the small, tra the big and large traumas, our daily lives, our chronic stress, these issues impair, act as barriers to the healing of your chronic pain. So what I call getting into pain recovery. If you think about that in a different way, when someone is an alcoholic and they're trying to recover from alcoholism or any addiction issue, what we need to make sure is the environment around them, inside, around them, and whomever is between them plays a key role whether the nervous system will feel safe. And this is the threat. The threat is when you have emotions, if you're not expressed, you don't know how to express them, they tend to be embedded and reinforced in the threat physiology, which is in simple language, your stress response tends to be higher whenever you engage with them on a day-to-day -day basis. So need, needing to deal with these emotions or real life issues, uh, I'd like to talk a little bit about that, David. I mean, these simple things that re relationships, David, I think you've mentioned this. Relationship is a big, big thing sometimes in why people don't heal 
but my patients say like it doesn't make sense that what's my relationship got to do with my physical pain Are you a healthcare professional looking to translate psychedelic research into practice? Then register for Psychedelic Harm Reduction and Integration, a professional training offered by psychologist Elizabeth Nielsen and Ingmar Gorman at the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York, May 24 through 26. Earn 12 continuing education credits as you discover how to better support clients who have an interest in psychedelics. Learn more at eomega.org thrive. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yeah, the relationships are a big deal. And we find out that actually your home is the biggest triggers. And we're also going to do a series of podcasts on just the family issues. The last two years of my practice, we focused almost exclusively on the family and the family triggers. And we found out no matter how much work you did, you can do expensive writing, you can feel better, but you go home to your family and get triggered. And guess what? It starts all over again. Conversely, by creating this structure around family interactions, not a lot of analysis, um, it's miraculous how fast things change. It's really remarkable. So I wanted to spend a little bit of time on the solutions. And again, I want to emphasize why is our peak surgeon <clears throat> talk about quote psychology. And again, this sustained <clears throat> throughout physiology translates into physical physical symptoms. Because you know, every chronic disease, mental and physical, is linked by a common chronic stress response. And when your body's in fight or flight all the time, people just get sick, they get ill, they have symptoms. So essentially every chronic disorder is linked by this one process. So again, suppressed emotional pain is a huge issue. Maybe the biggest issue, that's what took me down was I was a master of suppressing everything that was negative. And my, my, the, my coping skill was bring it on. You cannot give me enough stress. I'm not gonna break, I can't bend. I mentioned this before, my identity, was, my nickname was The Brick, and I was. Bring wait, 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 wait. I think we heard this in the podcast. I got to tease you again. The Brick. So, the brick. Yep. so tell us a little <laughs> bit about I, I that. Thought it was a com- I thought it was a compliment. <laughs> <laughs> Brickhead or Brick? Like, I'm thinking, <laughs> I, I think Brick. Right. I'm thinking of a linebacker, David. I know. No, I was The Brick, and I was proud of it. And it was, and it was my identity. And my identity was bring it up. I can take on anything. And so... I keep telling my wife, and in due respect to other spine surgeons, um, I say, look, you know, normal people don't become spine surgeons because I mean, it's a ridiculous amount of stress, and you have to have some really significant 
and I, I wish I see if I had adequate scoping skills without with my only coping skill being really suppression repression. Um, at age 37, I got really sick. And so it was a problem. So again, I had the opposite of emotional flexibility. I didn't feel anything. I just went to the, so by staying so busy, I didn't have connection to my emotional pain, right? right. So this is one of the ways you say disconnected from your emotional yeah. pain. So I like, so Dr. Ari is going to cure me this morning. <laughs> All right. So let's talk about some of the solutions. Yeah. Okay. So the essence is emotional pain is a big problem. We don't want to hurt. So we suppress the emotions or suppress the unpleasant thoughts, which really fires up your body's physiology into fight or flight. And so Dr. Arya, fix me. Yeah, well, <laughs> absolutely, David. Um, you're not a car to be fixed, but to be transformed is the word I'd like oh, to say. Okay, I'd rather be fixed. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, wrong store. Go down the go yeah. down another aisle. Yeah, no, I mean, this is we're sort of joking here, but I mean, I can't tell you. We actually think that the suppression of emotional pain may be at the core of all chronic pain. Yeah, yeah. David, I think you're, you're right. It really is. And um, let's let's. I want to give you an example here from one of my patients I've been working with. What's interesting is this is this is a very common thing, uh, not just with this patient. And so this fella is um, really well educated, you know, master's degree, um, practices mindfulness, uh, knows the ACT skills, uh, the acceptance and commitment therapy skills, just knows a lot, has read your book, by the way, David, and, um, and has really got into all of this and into PRT, pain reprocessing therapy. However, one of the things I've noticed about this is um, she gets uh, this. He gets better, and then he doesn't get better. And I looked at the blocks, and I always look at blocks and blocks and barriers. Like what's getting in your way? And what most evident was that it was her relationship with her this uh, this person's spouse. And so, and so he was basically wondering why his spouse is always criticizing him. And so that hypercriticalness. Was in, I was intrigued with that, and so when I asked him, you know, how do you how do you feel about that? And he says, well, that's the way you know she is. And I said, but what does it do to you? And he goes, well, what do you mean? And he goes, you know, that's the way she. But I said, can you? Well, and I said, check your body right now. So he wasn't getting the fact that that the very person he was living with was kind of activating him. And so every time he talks about this, I notice that his breathing is shallow. His words are very short. Uh, there's an intensity to it. Uh, there's even a quiver to his voice. And that is when I, he started to recognize that, oh my gosh, how can I, this is the person I live with, I'm married to. And so his, his, his question is, so do I get divorced? And I'm like, whoa, let's slow down here. <laughs> That's not the solution there, right? right. So. But as long, and I'm not talking about domestic violence, I'm not talking about, you know, emotional abuse, I'm not talking about physical abuse, I'm not talking about, I'm talking about your day to day where, where you feel dismissed, you're not feeling heard. And it was at that point, he realized that this is where I am. And he didn't realize that he was suppressing and also at some degree, again, suppresses consciousness when you don't, you sort of put a lid on something that's boiling over. And, um, and, and repression is unconscious. A lot of times what is conscious becomes unconscious. This is the psychological part I'm talking about. And when something becomes unconscious, it becomes quietly programmed in our 
emotional brain where a lot of our memories are and our, our senses are. And the amygdala is very important uh, neurocircuitry there that encodes a lot of our senses. So when we get used to something, it becomes kind of a habit and it gets imprinted in the brain. So you may be quite surprised, look around you. So three areas, ask yourself, if you don't know how to deal with your difficult thoughts and emotions, or when the sensation shows up in your body, that's a threat. When you don't know how to deal with um, the environment around you that's constantly chaotic and interruptive of your day, and you don't know how, and you don't have skills to break that interruption, that's outside of you, inside, outside. And there's another third component the brain constantly scans for, is whomever is in between you, and that was his. He had a highly interruptive work environment, lots of pressure. He kind of knew how to do um, the therapy skills and how to deal with the thoughts and emotions. And he was just beginning to learn how to deal with the physical sensations. So he was getting there, but he had more than um, two components in his life, inside, outside, and whomever's in between you. Those threats act as barriers. And that's what PRT is kind of speaking about is other emotional threats slows the healing process and amplifies and activates your threat physiology, which thereby sensitizes your nerves, tightens up your muscles. You tend to feel more of the physical sensations. Well, you bring up a good point is that in the worst part of my personal journey on chronic pain, including crippling anxiety, is I wanted to you know, come on a spine surgery to do something different. But I instinctively knew that running, that changing circumstances doesn't change the problem. And I didn't know why or why or what, how. And it was maybe a risky choice at the time because I, I almost didn't make it through. But people say, well, I'll get a divorce <clears throat> and my pain will go away. Mm. Well, guess what? The next person you get involved with is going to have the same issue because it's you being triggered, not the other person. So it turns out that that person is triggering you is actually your biggest opportunity to actually heal. And so you use the word somatic tracking. It's just, okay, you're with a situation where you're triggered. So, you know, I've talked about this. You may have this long conversation with your spouse or partner or your kids about, you know, the issues and whatever it is. But what you're really trying to say is that I want you to act in a way in the future that I'm not triggered. Right? I love that. And it doesn't work. You can't control the people. There are trillions of triggers, by the way. I mean, everything we do is either safe or dangerous. We automatically seek safety as much as we can. And the stresses that are the most stressful are the ones that you can't control. So, yeah, you can change spouses, but guess what? It's, it's going to be the same issues all over again. But if you look at that person, your boss or your kid or whatever it is that upsets you, as Anthony, Anthony DeMello writes in his book, The Way to Love, love your enemies, in other words, the person who is triggering you is actually your biggest opportunity to heal. So you allow yourself to feel the pain and he suggests, okay, I'm triggered. What is this person or situation tell me about myself right now? So you use the word somatic tracking that you, you know, you actually did it for him. I mean, you notice his tone of voice, his muscle tension, et cetera. And so you just watch your body's response to a threat and you have identified the threat. So the key isn't to get rid of the threat, the key is to process it differently. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly right. And that's a that's a great example like that. You said it's not when you divorce someone or move on, this the triggers are there. And I like what you said. 
it's when we get activated, it's our responsibility to learn. It's not um, to, to kind of, to deal, to relate differently to that, to that activation, that trigger, that symptom, that sensation. I like that. That's a very good message, David. One of the things that I also wanted to emphasize based on what you just said, whether it's work or relationship. Hey, David, a lot of our patients and our audience also may relate to this. A lot of, uh, another group of my patients have severe developmental childhood um, uh, adverse experiences, um, yeah. like, you know, like, Emotional abuse, sexual abuse, um, you know, neglect, um, you know, uh, being forced to be something, to act a certain way, just all of that. And, and you've talk, talked about your personal journey, too, when you were growing up, the pressures you felt and what you did and you escaped through sports and academics and, uh, you know, being the star of your, your family in that sense. A lot of my patients don't seem to realize that the past like that, developmental trauma and also adult abuse, like traumas that they're dealing with. Like um, when you are married to a narcissist or you're, in, you're involved with a narcissist boss or something like that, those life pressures really sort of act as barriers to your healing. So that's another group of folks in situations. So when you don't know how to process that trauma, and by the way, I want to say this to my uh, audience members here, please, if you have trauma, find a trauma-informed and trained therapist. So when David and I say talk therapy doesn't work, what we mean by that is talk therapy when you someone validates who you are and what you're experiencing and provides you that additional support, that is very, very helpful. Don't get that wrong. However, not all therapists are trained alike or psychologists. If you have trauma from the childhood or adulthood or chronic stress that you're dealing with is activating, you feel sort of helpless and hopeless and dejected find a trauma therapist who is actually trained in it. And one of the um, solutions to, you know, reducing the barriers to your pain recovery is this, find someone who's trained in, for example, trauma therapy, such as somatic experiencing. Find someone who is trained in like informed trauma, someone who does EMDR or brain spotting, those kind of interventions and therapies are very helpful to reducing and removing the barriers so you can actually start to heal. And this is the part David and I have talked about in the previous episodes. It is nearly impossible for you to heal until your nervous system feels safe, until you feel safe. Well, and you can't fix your nervous system. You honestly have to rebuild it. Yeah. And so what trauma therapy does is like taking a feral cat and training it to feel safe. And we've talked about this before multiple times that you come from an abusive childhood yeah. that comes or, you know, bullying is not even included in adverse childhood experiences, which is a horrible effect on your life. Yeah. Um, you allow you see things now are safe, but they don't seem safe because when you were a child, they weren't safe. Your brain doesn't know the difference. So you have to literally retrain your brain to be less hyperactive to stress. And it's a very specific skill. And again, it's a rebuilding process, not a fixing process. So a couple of things we want to mention um, as you come to this podcast, and these are topics for future discussions, is that we said awareness is the core of healing. And again, there's environmental awareness, which is mindfulness. There is judgment storytelling, um, becoming aware of cognitive distortions becoming aware of the ingrained patterns, which less referred to as far as trauma therapy. And what we're focusing on today is emotional awareness. And again, allowing yourself to feel the pain. 
And we've talked about this in another podcast, but perfectionism is a huge problem. Self-critical voice just keeps hammering at you, hammering at you, hammering at you. And again, people, it's so common also becomes normalized, but it's inflicting tremendous damage on your nervous system. Um, the anxiety, anger processing is sort of the topic of everything we do with the acceptance and commitment therapy, with the PRT, pain, pain reprocessing therapy. So these are learned skills. And then the final thing what Les has taught me a lot, which I did not know before I started working with Les, is these calming tools that you're activated, you're triggered, and you know how do you calm down in the moment? So again, this is, so if the key issue is, is that you, you allow yourself to feel emotional pain, but then you have to have tools to actually deal with it, right? Yeah, exactly, David. And so I wanted to reemphasize a few things. So somatic tracking is an important um, intervention. We've talked about that uh, in the previous episodes. And um, the other, I wanna mention a few other um, ways to kind of process your emotions. And this is with a trained therapist, a licensed therapist or psychologist, um, EAET. Um, David, you can speak to that. If not, I can. Um, on EAT. Well, I'll let you speak to that. I, I mean, to me, to be honest with you, I think that, you know, um, well, first of all, Alan Abbas talks about intermediate short-term dynamic psychotherapy. There's PRT, there's EAET. And to me, these almost are sort of the same thing. There's slight nuances. Correct. The bottom line is you create a very tight healing bond with your therapist, as far as I can tell, is the commonality of it. Then you find ways to become aware and regulate your body's physiology. So I, correct me if I'm wrong, it seems like they're all different manifestations as sort of the same principles. Correct. And they all lead to one road uh, towards expressing emotions in a safe way and right. in a guided stepwise manner with skills. So E-A-E-T, E-A-E-T, emotional awareness, expressive therapy, creating uh, created by um, Howard Schubner and um, Lumley. And um, they've written this, this is evidence-based treatment, which basically they kind of walk you through how to express your emotions safely. You know, for example, from the past, a boss who was rude to you or, you know, trauma, uh, things, they, they sort of get you to identify the emotions that are attached to those uh, memories and sensations. And they do it in a very beautiful way. It's a manualized way of treatment. It's very well done. EAET is one recommendation. The other recommendation is um, my favorite ACT, acceptance and commitment therapy. Again, this is a way to show up with, um, with an attitude of, you know, how do I wish to be during difficult moments, difficult thoughts, emotions, and physical sensations. So when you're processing emotions, very often we get caught up in what the mind stories are. And ACT teaches you how to get some separation, some wiggle room, and for you to apply value-based behaviors, like I wish to be kind of compassionate, and then ACT would say, well, what would that look like? And you know, um, how would you express that? So they teach you skills to use values, like how do I wish to be during the most difficult situation or, or what's important to you? That's what values are. So EAET, ACT, somatic experiencing is a highly recommended, it's really, really excellent. It's evidence-based treatment also for trauma. So when people have had developmental trauma, again, that's childhood, chronic life stressors, um, you know, and also, you know, relationship issues that seem to activate you over and over again. Somatic experiencing therapy developed by Peter Levine is an excellent uh, therapy style to learn to process these emotions. 
Well, I do want to honor one aspect of this that we haven't really talked about in too much detail is Dr. Alan Abbas gave a lecture, lecture to our study group on it's called Intermediate Short-Term Dynamic Psychotherapy. And the point that caught my attention really hard was that 85% of people referred to a practice like him, mm -hmm. his, has so much trauma from their past that they don't have the emotional capacity to, to face anything. Right. I mean, they're totally beaten up. The emotional, their brain is hyperreactive. They have no coping skills and they're, you're pretty helpless. And so you can't engage. So he has a process where you just start with very, and you do, the, I know you do the same thing. You just start with the smallest baby steps to get people to engage and start to feel safe. And then over, it's, it might take 25 or 30 sessions, but it's all about training your brain, training your brain to feel safe when it actually is safe. Yeah. The brain is perceiving danger when it's actually safe, but you can't do it with positive thinking. You can't do it with talk therapy. And I, I've watched the videos that he does with people and people, it, it's upsetting to me. There's so much trauma in life. Anyway, why do people do this to each other? Totally different topic. But again, if you're one of those people that is incredibly emotionally frail, you're saying, I don't want to do this. I can't do it. It's psychological. You're saying my mind's made, you know, this is in my head. Not true. If your trauma is so severe that you feel like you're at the mercy of the world's circumstances, give yourself a break. You didn't deserve it. And there's tools to help pull you out of the hole. And we see people thrive all the time that have had no hope. So again, this past trauma is a big deal. That's why feeling emotional pain is not a small deal. And so that's maybe my message of the day is that emotional pain shares the same circuits as physical pain. We don't like feeling pain. So why would we feel emotional pain? Why, why would we allow ourselves to feel that? Well, again, with human consciousness, when you repress those emotions, your body still gets fired up even worse. So let's, you want to summarize, summarize um, the PRT that, that sure. you, that, I mean, we, we've covered a lot of the areas of it. We won't review the whole process, but again, we're trying to help you train your brain to feel safe. Yep, that's well said. And so let's kind of wrap this up here with just a brief summary of what we're trying to do in this fourth component to communicate to you regarding pain reprocessing therapy, PRT. So the message here that we're trying to say is this, is when you're not dealing with and you don't know how to deal with emotions, it tends to kind of activate your brain into a high alert and thereby your brain interprets that as danger. And so what happens is your body becomes sensitized and your pain actually goes up. So your day-to-day -day life, if you don't know how to deal with your stresses, your relationships, the past that shows up in the present with the trauma activation, you do need some very important skills there. PRT is aiming to lower your overall threat level. That's what it's trying to do. It's trying to lower the threat. Why? Because through that, your brain tends to feel less reactive and less activated. And it gives the opportunity for you to be able to retrain the brain that you're safe. So whether it's a difficult thought, a difficult emotion, or a difficult sensation that shows up in your body, PRT basically helps you kind of create a new form of relationship to what is showing up. And as we come to a conclusion here, one of the things that um, PRT does is it tends to help you use the lens of safety. So in closing, when we feel safe with whatever shows up inside, outside, or whomever's in between us, and we have the skill set, it tends to retrain the pain in the brain that we're safe. And in doing so, we start to move towards recovery. 
So you want to be you you want to be aware of the past. <clears throat> you want to be aware of emotional pain, but you can't fix it. It's done. So we're teaching tools of how to feel safe now, today. We focus more on the present and moving forward. And I want to finish off with the metaphor of an oak tree. I've said this many, many times that to, in order to reach higher, you have to dig deeper. So just visualize the roots of a tree going into the soil, and the soil is your past. And so we tend to try to analyze it, fix it, cover it up, put on sort of a guise of normality. But the soil is actually the, is the nutrition and source of growth. So you can learn from the past. So all the energy you spend trying to fix it, et cetera, is a waste of energy. So as you allow yourself to be with the past, in other words, just dig deeper and just be with it, positive and negative, then it's actually the source of nourishment for future growth. And to me, healing occurs from becoming that big trunk of a tree, whether it's with you by yourself or with a partner. And then as a tree grows, then you're able to protect those around you in a very powerful way. And so one of my patients who was in chronic pain for 55 years, she's now been pain-free for about eight years, um, used the word neuroshment, not nourishment, but neuroshment. And your past is that fertile ground to provide that nourishment for that future growth. So allow yourself to be with your past. In other words, allow yourself to feel your pain, emotional and physical. Um, as you quit fighting it, it's a tremendous source of growth um, going forward. So Dr. Arya, thank you. Um, I learned a few things this morning. It was great. I'm trying to work on my listening skills. <laughs> Definitely a work in progress here. You're doing a good job. Folks, we thank you for spending time. We hope you found this information helpful. Um, you can reach me here at my website at menda.health, www.menda.health. And David, how can people get a hold of you? Um, now we have a course that is sort of a um, computerized lesson of, I would say acceptance and commitment therapy, it's self-directed, it's called the DOC Journey. Um, it's at the DOCjourney.com and it stands for direct your own care. So the DOCjourney.com and also involves a little bit of coaching. I do have the book Back in Control, A Surgeon's Roadmap on Chronic Pain. So we've also, both of us have lots of other resources that once you get on our websites, you can find out what else we're up to. But this is, but chronic pain is a much more solvable problem than you think. So we're excited to be here and to talk to you. And uh, thank you. Yeah, take care, everyone. David and Les would love to hear from you about today's podcast and any ideas for future topics. You can email them at david-les at dynamichealingpodcast.com. That's david-les at dynamichealingpodcast.com. Do you ever feel that calling that you should be doing more with your life? If you're unhappy with the status quo, I can help. My name is Elias Patras, and I'm an intuitive motivator, psychic medium, and motivational speaker. I know that feeling, and on my podcast, Your Inner Voice, I can help you answer that call to step into your life's purpose. I will show you how to recognize and listen to the signs and signals that are all around us and help you tap into your intuition. Join me for the show here on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network and wherever you get your podcasts. Let's connect, educate, and grow on this journey together.